So the brief message, I think it's brief, is called Deo Volenti. Sorry for going Latin on you this morning. But the words are very simple. They mean God willing, God willing. My very first pastor had a saying as he drove many miles to pastor a little church east of Huxley, Alberta, a little schoolhouse, and he was faithful to come out there Sunday by Sunday. And at the conclusion of the service, every Sunday, without fail, he would say, I'll see you next Sunday, Lord willing, Lord willing. See you next Sunday, Lord willing. And it was a reminder. I didn't understand the word sovereignty at the time because I was just a little guy. But it did remind you that God is in control, that God is sovereign. So to our next pastor and to all of us as a congregation, we come to the words Deo Volenti. And uh, let's just take a moment to go to the text, set the table for the main course of blessing our new pastor and standing alongside of him. And I want you to see that Deo Volenti is not just for our new lead pastor, but for all of us. Uh, there are two easy things to remember. If you've got your Bibles and can move back again to the passage that Lorraine read for us, thank you. Uh, James chapter 4, 13 to 17. And if you get two truths out of this passage, uh, they will help you hold your future graciously uh, before God. And so two things, and they are these. Number one, what we must never say. And number two, what we must say. We can remember that. What we must never say. And number two, what we must say. Pretty simple. I didn't say easy. What we must never say and what we must say. Well, what is it we must never say? Here it is. Look here, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little and then it's gone. So we seem to be hearing from James that <clears throat> he is aware that there are some business people in the congregation to whom he writes, and they have become somewhat materialistically focused. And there's a little attitude that has crept in. It's a little swagger. And they've mapped out their destination. They've mapped out their future for the next year or so. They've mapped it out on the basis of profit profitability. New office in Toronto. That's on the drawing board. Got some plans for Vancouver. Thinking of Montreal, maybe even head south to Chicago would be a great market there. Hey, we're on the go. There is no Deo Volenti here. There's no reference to the will of God. Now, they have come through tough times. They're Christians. They're followers of Christ. But their persuasion to follow Christ has cost them something. It's cost them socially. It has cost them economically. And that was all right for a time. But as life settled down, the cares of making a living began to dominate again. And I, I, we understand that a lot. The challenge of being balanced in life is a value 
and a skill that very few of us really do well. We tend to press forward with, with all we've got because you have to strike, you know, when the iron is hot and, and you have to move and you have to give it all you've got. And it was true in their day when life settled down, it was easy for them to say, okay, now it's my time. Now it's my time to accelerate business. Let's get bigger and better. Let's, let's have more employees, more locations, more markets, more profit, bottom line, more, more for me. And soon they reverted to being self-made, self-assured men and women who, though now Christians, live as if this world is all that there is. And if they prayed in reference to their lives, it was not to ask God how to go about that, but it was to pray, Lord, have your blessing on what I've already planned. This is where I'm heading. I would really appreciate your blessing on that. Make me famous in the marketplace. Yes, the balance. It will always be our struggle in life, in business, and in ministry. Perhaps we as children of our times, uh, our our children of of the prosperity gospel, that, that we could not ever conceive that God's will would be that we not become rich and famous. That that's what he wants us to be is prosperous. I mean, have we told our kids, be sure to get into a profession where you will make a good living son or daughter so you won't have to struggle like we did? Some have even objected to their children going into Christian work because it's not lucrative. You're not going to get rich. A dear gentleman that we know so well wanted his boys to follow in the medical profession, but they were called of God and gifted of God in different ways. And what a struggle for each of these boys to just kind of break loose from that, to enter the calling of God for their lives, and to say, it's not Dad we're pleasing, it's our Heavenly Father, and we need to follow Him. So these are verses with a swagger, self-confidence, bordering on arrogance. Don't call me. I'll, I'll call you. I've got a plan for my life. I'll spend a, a year here. We'll raise up the business. This is a, there's, there's profit on the way, and, and things will be well. And so the plan is to pull it all together, put a ribbon around it, wait for the shekels to begin to pour in. And, and the boasting is arrogant. That's what James calls it. Well, we say not just a minute here, Ken. Doesn't God condone uh, wise planning? And of course he does. There are a number of places that we could turn to that would remind us of the need for good planning, being timely in our work and in our scheduling. And uh, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about the ants getting ready in the summertime for winter is coming, and they're preparing, and they're, they're scheduling. And so learn a lesson, King Solomon says, from the ants. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> We've tried to do some effective planning in our ministry. Because the more we plan, the more we can include people and we can do ministry together. And I think all of you know that Pastor Norb is particularly gifted in planning. It's who he is. He is a planner. He loves to see the details executed well. Uh, Should we keep on planning? The admonition of James is uh, to simply include God in our planning Uh, God, you be the focus of our plans. So what God is looking for is his partnership in our lives. It's his looking and planning ahead, but it's with his planning. 
It's always saying, God, I welcome you in my planning. I offer you the opportunity to change the whole scene. I mean, turn it around. If there's no Toronto, perfectly fine. If there's no Vancouver, then I'm fine with that. If you lead me to another city with a new opportunity, then that's your hand, Lord. Then I'm there. Lord, if you want us to be involved in this part of the community or shift to this community as a church, we're on it. Father, if you're leading us to expand a ministry or adjust a ministry, we hear you and we listen to you and we follow you in obedience. So what is it that we must never say? We must never say, Ah, I'm in control. I got this. Don't worry. We got it. Well, why must we not say that? And here's the response from James. How do you know when your life, what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Before we were married, Mark and I uh, were traveling out of the city of Vancouver, and we were driving to Seattle, Washington. And uh, it was dark. I got on the wrong road. I thought it seemed strange, but I thought it would take me to the main highway. And I was cruising along, pretty good speed, when the road suddenly ended... And a big barricade was in front of me. And by the grace of God, I managed to step on the brakes and turn the wheel. And we did a complete 360. We got out of the car. We walked to that big barricade. And there was the water lapping up from a bay of the Pacific Ocean. And we knew he had put his hand upon that car. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? There might... Uh, there might have been a tomorrow. It's here a little while and then it's gone. I mean, we walk outside on these cold days and we just blow up in, in the air and we just blow a little bit of a puff of breath and, and uh, it's there, you see it, and then it disappears uh, quickly. Such is the span of our lives. It's like a mist. It's, it's that puff of smoke and, and then very quickly it's gone. Mark's brother is home in heaven today. But his cancer started out as something just annoying in his digestive tract. And this annoying thing just wouldn't go away. <clears throat> and it kept coming back after surgery. It just kept coming back. And before long he realized that he didn't have control over his life. That he couldn't stop this. And none of us have control over our lives. Spirit of God wants us to grasp and internalize the brevity of our lives. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we have never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. Every year there are some among us who leave us. Some of them all too young. We started the year with them, but a heart attack, an accident, an unexpected diagnosis, and the scene changes. The best proof of our limited knowledge is that we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why the Bible says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. 
The emergency room is full of people who had plans for tomorrow. So is the cemetery. It said that uh, long ago, when an eastern emperor was crowned at Constantinople, that the royal mason would set before his majesty a certain number of marble slabs. And he was to choose one of them right then and there for his tombstone. Because the ancients thought it wise for him to remember his funeral at the theme of his elevation, for his life would not last forever. And I thought, what a good idea. Maybe that we'd all take home a big marble slab this morning, but when I checked out the prices, they're pretty costly. It's pretty costly. We don't have it in our budget, and we don't have half tons for all of you to get this home. So, But Pastor Norb, you get it, and so do all of us, that life is short, and life is unpredictable, and that just gives us reason to say, Lord, my life is in your hands. My life is in your hands. I give my life to you. You know the length of my days, and in the length of time I give to you, I, have, I give you my best. And may we all do that. Spirit of God, teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom. So, what we must not say. But secondly, what we must say. Here it is. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Deo volante, if the Lord wills, we shall do this. If the Lord wills, we shall do that. It's far more than a little phrase that just rolls off the tongue so easily. It is the deep submission of our lives so that God can be honored and blessed in our lives. Pastor Norb, it is the continuation of what you're used to, asking God about your plans. I know you do that. The plans for the body of people and saying, Lord, these are my plans. This is our best planning, but I subject them to your will because you are infinitely greater than I am. Let the Apostle Paul encourage you. He promised the Ephesians. He said, I will return to you if God wills, if God wills. He said it on a number of occasions. This is my plan but I can't say for sure because it is as God wills. Pastor Norm, God is leading you to take the helm of this church. We are so thrilled. He will grow this church and he will use this church and he will bless this church as he wills, as he wills. He, uh, but he will use you, he will use you uh, as you give him your plans and your life and your heart, and then he will use all of us. And he comes and he says, now, let me take this. Let me orchestrate this. Let me work this out for you. Just say, Lord, it's yours, as God wills. So Pastor Norb and team, our wonderful staff, and our elders in our congregation, may this be our refrain, Deo Volenti. And as we conduct the ministry of this church, God, your will be done. Your will be done here at TCC. May it be our heart as we reach to our community. 
May it be our heart as we go about our daily lives in our homes, in our families. Uh, Deo volante. If God wills, I will take up this ministry. If God wills, I will do this or I will do that. But to Pastor Norb today, you have served among us faithfully and so well for these past 10 years. And you have demonstrated that you want the Lord's will above all else. So with excitement and with real joy, we uh, extend our, our hearts of uh, love and joy to you today as you take the baton. Uh, we acknowledge the work in your life and in Tina's life, and we simply say to you as a congregation, God bless you and give you the peace of God in your going out and in your coming in, in your lying down and in your rising up, in your labor and in your leisure and in your laughter and in your tears. Now I'm going to invite my wife to come and uh, join me on the platform. And we would like to officially uh, pass the baton. We're not going to do a quarterback hike or anything like that. But Mark, come. And uh, Pastor Norb and Tina, would you come? And we just want to uh, pass on the batons to you today. Pastor Norb, what a joy to serve with you for 10 years. God has prepared you for uh, this hour, and uh, you and Tina served together well as a team. Tina, you're a blessing in our office, and uh, you are a blessing as a companion of Norb. So, so together, you will move forward. You will bless this congregation, and we just want you to know that we love you, and we're standing alongside of you in prayer.